welcome to 100 Mistakes Academic Writers Make and How to Fix Them, a podcast for academics and other writers who need to get work done. I'm Stephanie Dunson, PhD, a writing coach and consultant with over 20 years of experience working with faculty at some of the nation's top colleges and universities. In each episode, I focus on one of what I've observed to be the 100 most common writing challenges faculty members face and offer proven fixes that you can adapt to your particular writing routine. Some of the challenges are unique to academics, but most will be familiar to writers of all stripes. Alrighty then, let's get started. Mistake number four, overestimating how much writing you can get done. Hey, I've got a question for you. How good are you at estimating how long it will take you to complete a writing project? I'm great at it, said no one ever. But seriously, Not many of us are particularly good at it, and it most commonly manifests as overestimating how much work we can get done in a set amount of time. If you're one of the few who can consistently match your expectations with your outcomes, good for you. I probably don't need to tell you to stop listening and carry on with knocking down that upcoming deadline. But if you regularly underestimate how long it will take you to complete your projects, if time allotted and writing produced rarely line up as you plan, In short, if you're one of the multitudes who routinely overestimate how much writing you can get done in a set amount of time, keep listening. In psychology, they call it optimism bias. That is, the tendency to project productivity based on hopes for the future rather than on evidence from the past. And oh, so many of us suffer from it. We set aside a block of time, a few hours, days, or weeks, to complete a writing task, or two, or three. We resolve to throw together a conference paper, buckle down to complete an article, or crank out a few chapters to get out to a publisher. Note the language here. They're words that reduce complex processes into driving physical tasks. Throw together. Buckle down. Crank out. When applied to writing, this is the vocabulary of optimism bias. They project us into an imaginary future where writing is simply a matter of doing writing, as if once we set aside the time, we can make writing behave the way we want it to. And this, of course, has a direct correlation to overestimating how much we can accomplish in a preset amount of time. Now, I admit it. This is one I commonly struggle with myself, and I'm not ashamed to own up to it because I know I'm in good company. It's estimated that up to 80% of people across disciplines and professions fall prey to optimism bias. Anyhow, in the spirit of full disclosure, let me offer a confession. A year ago, I started working on a business consulting book that I expected to have finished by now. Have I gotten work done on the project over the past 12 months? Well, sure, I'd say I'm two-thirds of the way to where I'd hoped to be. Were there mitigating factors that I couldn't have anticipated that affected my progress? Um, If a global pandemic upending the business world counts, the answer would be yeah. Last year was not the time to make the kind of pitch my book is built on, so pushing back the deadline for publication was not a bad idea. But publication date aside, there's really no good reason for me to not move ahead with a project. No, the responsibility lies squarely with me and my old pal optimism bias. Now before you judge me too harshly, Let me explain that most of us are neurologically wired for optimism bias. According to Tali Sherratt, a cognitive neuroscientist at University College London, 
When it comes to projecting future outcomes, our brains process positive information more readily than negative information. In an interview with Stephen Dubnar and his Freakonomics podcast, she pointed out that this isn't necessarily a bad thing. As she puts it, quote, there are positive aspects to optimism bias. In our research, we see that people without an optimism bias tend towards depression. So it can be a good thing because it drives us forward. It gives us motivation. It makes us explore different things. But, she adds, there are obviously also negative consequences, end quote. So the bad news is that your brain is probably hardwired to think that you can get more writing done than you're likely to. But the good news is that, as Sherrod's further research bears out, optimism bias is mutable. She says, quote, it changes in response to the environment. It can disappear under environments in a way that may be optimal, end quote. And what is that way? In other words, what's the fix? Take a moment to think back on this. How long did it take you to write your last email? Your last article? Your last conference paper? If you're like most of us, your answers might be respectively five minutes, give or take, a month or so, and how long was the flight to my last conference? But last estimate aside, which, by the way, will itself be the topic of an upcoming episode, your answers are likely little more than rough guesses that do little to capture how much time you actually spent butt in chair, pen moving across paper, cursor crossing the screen, to go from a project's inception to its completion. The problem is that once we finish a project, the details of the process inevitably go fuzzy. To improve your ability to accurately estimate how long it's going to take you to complete a writing project, you need better data about how long it truly took you to complete similar projects in the past. And you can't rely on your memory for this. You need real details. So two keys to controlling optimism bias and more accurately estimating your productivity are time stamping and work details. These are related to a topic I raised in a past episode, process writing, also known as metacognitive writing. Process writing involves taking a few minutes at the end of each writing session to record what was going through your mind as you were writing, when, where, and why your writing sped up and slowed down, what choices you made about what to write and what to leave out, how your perceptions about what you wrote changed as you moved through a writing task. Process writing is a powerful practice for truly understanding how you work as a writer. Adding timestamps involves making note of start and stop times whenever you work on a writing project. Doing this consistently over time can give you a much more accurate account of how much writing you're getting done and how long it takes you to get it done. The more time data you gather and are able to tabulate over the span of a writing project, the sharper your ability to estimate how much you can actually get done as you project the time commitment for any upcoming project, and the better you get at filling the containers of time on your schedule. But even with time stamping, if you're vague about your discrete work objectives, there's little chance that you'll be able to realistically estimate your writing results. Which brings us to the second feature of this fix work details. That is, getting very specific in naming your objective for every writing session. If time stamping your process writing gives you an account of the amount of time it takes for you to complete a project, 
logging the particulars of the writing you accomplished can teach you to more finely calibrate your expectations. To manage this, log both the time and your precise goal at the start of each new writing session. And when you finish, make note of what you accomplished and how much time elapsed. Did you meet your express goal, exceed it, or fall short? In your notes, also identify any extenuating circumstances that might have impacted your results. Were you particularly distracted? Were there unforeseen interruptions that threw you off pace? Were there any preconditions that primed you or put you off the task? The more granular your observations are, the more precise your future time estimates will be. Of course, you're not a robot, so it's unlikely that you'll devise an absolutely inviolable timetable that will always line up for you. But this kind of self-observation will at the very least help you more realistically estimate the time it will take you to complete a writing objective or task. There are two other factors to contend with to avoid overestimating how much writing you can accomplish in a set amount of time. Procrastination and unrealistic expectations. And the two generally go hand in hand. For most of us, procrastination can be an occupational hazard. We put off writing because of class planning, because of student meetings, because of committee work or report deadlines and the need to keep up with emerging scholarship, or because we're tired or simply want to spend time with people we love doing things we enjoy. We'll tell ourselves that conditions for writing will be better tomorrow, that our schedule will lighten up next week, that this will be the weekend we settle in for that four or five or six hour writing binge. We say to ourselves, I know what I need to write, all I need is time. But without a realistic sense of how much time it will take you to reach your individual writing goals, you can end up setting unrealistic expectations. We rely on vague memories of times when we were able to get that quantity of work done in a similar amount of time, but often that's a false memory or an exceptional situation that you're unlikely to reproduce. It's like telling yourself that because you once made a basket from half court, you're sure you can do it again, but Steph Curry aside, most of us just aren't wired like that. So it's probably not a good game plan to count on sinking that shot. Case in point, let's reconsider that business book I thought I could finish in a year. As I said before, 12 months into the project, I've completed two-thirds of the manuscript. I now anticipate that it will take me another 10 months to complete the final third. Why am I projecting that it will take that long? It's because I've revised the timeline based on what I've learned from timestamping and logging details over the past year. When I started, I understood that writing for business readers would be different than writing for an academic audience, but I now recognize that I have to do much more revision to produce the results-driven content that is the standard for business writing, and that simply takes more time than I originally anticipated. That is, I thought it would be easier than writing scholarship, which is definitely not true. In fact, it's just challenging in different ways. Also, given the demands of the specific work I've yet to complete, I've accepted that there's still likely to be some slow going ahead for me, and I'm okay with that. Because of what I've observed over the past year about my ability to generate this kind of material, I've recalibrated my timeline to more realistically match my demonstrable results rather than, as before, relying on vague projections about the future. Will this refinement of my expectations pan out? Well, let's say this. I'm feeling much more confident about my prospects, but I promise to keep you posted. 
Well, that's today's episode. If this mistake applies to you, try out this fix and let me know how things worked out. Remember, all of the fixes I offer are meant to be flexible interventions. There may be ways you apply my suggestions that look different from what I've described, but that work for you. In that case, it's always terrific to hear the ways you adapt a fix that makes it a more meaningful match for your particular writing routine. Also, I'd love to get you involved in the podcast. Let me know if you have a story or a solution you'd like to share for an upcoming episode. I might even invite you to be a guest on the show. What's our next mistake? Underestimating how much work you can get done. If you'd like to chime in, drop me an email. You can reach me through the contact link on my webpage, 100writingmistakes.org. If you found this episode helpful, give the show a positive rating on your pod platform of choice. Even better, subscribe to automatically receive new episodes every two weeks as soon as they're posted. This will really help get the word out about the series. Also, share news about the podcast with colleagues and friends you think might benefit because faculty are the most underserved writers on any college campus. And with your help, I want to change that.